Welcome to Subjectively Correct Sports with David Henderson and Anthony Montague. Hey, David. All is meaningless and I don't care. <laughs> oh. It was a rough Sunday for you. Oh, hey, you know what? I know, I know the mood might be down right now, but you know what brings the mood up, David? Winning a Super Bowl? <laughs> sure. Also, Valentine's Day. Uh-huh. Valentine's Day. David, it's next week. I hope you got your wife something super special. Nah, might be something off off <laughs> the air that we talk about. Okay. Well, if you haven't, uh, there's a zoo in San Antonio, Texas's own San Antonio, that can help make your Valentine's Day dreams come true. Great. Or rather, your nightmares. Huh? Well, a former nightmare. What? I'm talking about a Valentine's Day gift for your ex. Okay. So the San Antonio Zoo is running a promotion called the Crimea Cockroach Event. It's allowing a jilted Valentine's Day revelers, 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 to name a cockroach or rat after their ex and then feed it to a snake. For $5, you can name a cockroach that gets fed to some larger animal. For only $25, you can name a rat that is then fed to a snake. All happens on Valentine's Day in San Antonio. The roaches will be fed to various animals. Uh, no, no exact animal mentioned. The rats definitely will be fed to a snake. And the feeding is going to be live streamed online so purchasers can witness the demise of their named animals. So, David, anyone come to mind? Well, no. I feel like this is more, and uh, I'm really not, I'm, I'm not what you would call a sexist person. You, you back me up on this, David, right? Uh, but I feel like this is more of a girl thing. Like, I feel like a girl would be more inclined to name a cockroach after her ex. That's sexist, bro. Like, you say you're not sexist. <laughs> I said I'm not too. sexist. Therefore, anything I say after that is not sexist. Yeah, yeah. Not how that works. <laughs> not how that works. <laughs> I just feel like this is a thing that would appeal more to women. Like... I, I'm not xenophobic. Like... But a, every person that's okay. not from here is it, needs is to it, stay away. Is it sexist to say a purse appeals more to a woman than a man? Is that sexist, David? Borderline sexist, I think. What? What? 2020, bro. Although, I guess a man might prefer to call it a satchel. <laughs> Would you say men gravitate more towards hunting? In some cultures, yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my, no, you no, you can't. This is like. You're, you're, you're trying to do stuff that's not, you know, you're not, you're being too smart here. Don't be too smart for your own good, David. Okay? I've never been accused of that. <laughs> All right. Now is not the time to be woke. Now is the time to agree with me on my stereotype. Okay. Well, tell you what. You know why they're stereotypes, right? Because uh... they're based in truth. This feels weird. <laughs> this does not feel weird. It feels very Anyways, weird. Feed your ex to a snake. Such a weird Happy thing. Valentine's Day. It's such a weird thing. Like, you were reading the story, and I was like, I don't know if I have a reaction to this, because how silly it is. First of all, I wonder how much money the zoo is going to make off of this, and if they make a lot of money, I'm going to chalk it up to like the Galentine's Day thing, where it's like, 
people that are single and sad mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day feel more single and sad that day than they normally do. And so they have like special friends days where they hang out with their other single friends and stuff. Yeah. But I think that's just masking the sadness. I like to uh, just like I like to swim in the sadness for a few days. More on that uh-huh. later. Sure. And then you get over it faster. Yeah. How would you feel if you were the cockroach or the rat? You're at the one place in the world you should feel protected. Oh, yeah. You're at the zoo where the people who work there love you. Right. Like, they love the yeah. animals. Like you see all the other animals <laughs> and they're just like hanging out in these big cages with yeah. all that they can eat and all that stuff. And they're doing it. Oh, no, no. You're not You're not a display rat. You're a feeder rat. <laughs> and they're just, what if they're just like single file line? Okay, rat, you go in the, uh, you go in the, the exhibition. Rat, you going in a snake's tummy. Uh... Oh, family's divided over this, David. Yeah, this is bringing back like really bad, sad memories for me. Not Were like you I'm fed actually to a snake once? I was not once fed to a snake. Were you in Harry Potter? I was not. Did you fight a basilisk? I did not do that. Hmm. I've been accused of being a parcel mouth, though. Is it parcel mouth or parcel tongue? It's parcel mouth. It's parcel mouth, and you speak parcel tongue. You're such a muggle, dude. <laughs> you are such a muggle. <laughs> um. One of our kids spoke parcel tongue very when they were younger. Like they always they talk so, like they would do this like sneaky way. Like I don't know the. Can I guess which one? Can I guess which yes. one? Yes. Was it Michael? Uh, maybe I can't remember now. Oh, you're such a dad. You're a terrible. Father. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, my wife will say something like, "Remember when our kids did this?" And I'll be like, "Yeah," but I don't remember sometimes. But La- here, yeah, know. Lara was bringing up like something that happened in labor with L. So it was like four years ago, but I'm like. And it was like a kind of serious thing. And I'm like, I don't remember that. Like, at all. At all. I flatlined. I almost died. Like, yeah, I was sleeping. Honey, I don't know if you realize how traumatic that experience was for me. Yeah, again. To see you in so much pain. I'm going to fall back on my my, my, my standard response to all this pregnancy stuff. If it were really that bad, Uh women would stop doing it. Okay, all this complaining about how terrible labor is, how terrible pregnancy is. If it were so terrible, uh, women would stop doing it. But guess what? Every year, women keep getting pregnant. Whatever negative feelings our female audience had for me at the beginning of the show with my quote-unquote stereotypes has all been redirected to you. Uh, To quote Aristophanes, That's not a real person. You're welcome. Well, David, it was the it was the big game. It was a Super Bowl Sunday. You were over here with your family. It was a lovely day. And it was an awesome, oh, what, 50, 50 minutes of football? <laughs> 54 minutes of football? And then it wasn't as great. So the 49ers lost 31-10. After being up twenty to ten with about six and a half, seven minutes to go in the game, I was there. I remember. Um, just setting the scene. Sorry. And uh, why don't you, why don't you just tell me how you're feeling? Because something that we're known for on the show is um, publicly grieving over our team's losses. Um, you've, you know, haven't done much of it on the show because you haven't had a team that's been at the apex. Of their sport and then, you know, not succeed. Whereas twice since we've started recording, I've had uh, the Dodgers lose in the World Series. Twice or just once? 
No, it's twice. I think. Well, I think whatever the, it was, it was. It's like the year before we started recording, and then the year after. Okay. Um, right. So, so go ahead, David. Take me through what you were feeling then, as you were watching, and now. All right. So, when we got up 2010, the the major emotion I was feeling was fear. Fear for Andy Reid. Fear for Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I, because you know, like. It's the same movie being played over and over again in the NFL playoffs with the Chiefs. And yeah. I knew that it could happen at any moment. The, I, think, I think the worst thing is when you fear something and you have this fear of something happening or that's about to happen. And then it starts happening. That's the worst. Because then you have this feeling of like, oh no, I told you so. But let me tell you, there were two, there were two moments in the game that I thought were shocking to me. That, like shockingly lucky for the, uh, for the Chiefs. Okay, uh... Mahomes is, is running for a first down and close to a touchdown. Uh, safety comes up and hits him really hard and knocks the ball loose. Where does right. the ball go? Directly out of bounds. Right. I mean, a millimeter either direction on that contact, and the ball goes straight up in the air, the ball goes right, the ball goes down, whatever, and they get lucky, it squirts right out of bounds. Another time, okay, uh, Bosa gets in there. He's been playing great all day. He's been causing a lot of pressures and a lot of hurries and stuff like that. He slaps the ball away from Mahomes. Where does the ball go? Right at Patrick Mahomes' feet. Yeah. I right. mean, if it would have bounced any other direction, then right, like it bounced a little bit forward so that right. he could fall on it. It was perfect. Yeah. And those two fumbles that Patrick Mahomes had, if either of those get lost, it changes the entire complexion of the game, and who knows what happens after that, right? Yeah. And then, so we're up 2010, right? The 49ers are up 2010. We get that second pick off Patrick Mahomes. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is it. We might win. We might win. But I still had that scary fear in the back of my heart. We get to seven minutes. We can win. We can win. And then we decide to stop doing what's made us good all year and start dropping back five seven-step drops with Jimmy Garoppolo, and then everything falls apart. Yeah. I don't get it. And if it weren't for a couple of knockdowns at the line of scrimmage, uh, there some of those drives would have continued or we maybe even scored. If it wasn't for a pass interference call at the end of the first half, if it wasn't for Jimmy Garoppolo overthrowing Mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sanders when he had everybody beat and he was basically going to walk into the end zone mm-hmm. there were all these moments I can point to and say if either one of those plays go our way we could have won that game right Yep. so I think about all of that I think about all of those things that could have happened or that should have happened that bounced the Chiefs way and I think we are good enough this year and we'll be good enough next year to beat that team if we play them again right if we played best two out of three, we could have won the next two games, right? So, Yeah, I think they played ten times. It might be 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. yeah. So you, you look at this, this 49ers team and stuff, and yes, it's a bummer you made it to the Super Bowl and you lost, but I got to watch meaningful football games for my team all the way up to February. That was such a cool feeling. I was into it. I enjoyed it. And yeah, it sucks right now. But I was able to absorb all the, the taunts and stuff that I got from my students that are Cowboys fans. By just looking at him and say, at least we were in the playoffs. At least we made it to a Super Bowl. When's the last time the Cowboys were in a Super Bowl? None of you were so alive. So you're making fun of, none uh, of teenagers? Them, yes. None okay. of them were alive the last time the Cowboys. But, it, so, but that's kind of my overall feeling. Like Instead of being bummed out that we lost a Super Bowl, mm-hmm. that was such a great season for a team that had uh, been bad for years. And now we're seeing that this team can be sustainably good. They have a they have good young players on, on good contracts, and they have a good young head coach who seems happy where he is. All good things, all things that lead us uh, into future years with a positive outlook, and we will probably be good for years to come. So when it comes right down to it, I'm happy. 
But for the first time in a long time, I almost bought Madden so I could keep the, the football feelings going. You know what I mean? The football season ended. I go home and I was like, oh, we were so close. Seven minutes away from and, winning the Super Bowl. And then you saw who was on the Madden cover. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, hey, Patrick. But that didn't deter me from getting it. Um, yeah. I have a strict video game budget that I try to stick to, which is like one video game a year with maybe some like fudging a little bit if like if, if there's a couple of really great titles that I want to get in the same year or something. But yeah, and I, I think uh, I want to put that in my back pocket maybe for later, right? So anyway, uh, I like this I like this 49ers team. I'm going to continue to like this 49ers team. I just really, really hope that when it comes to crunch time again, we can stick with what made us good, which is, you know, running the ball, running it well, mm-hmm. and getting uh, our talented speed guys the ball on the outside like Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel is great. He is one of the most complete rookie wide receivers I have seen in a long time. He runs great routes. He can get involved in the running game. He's and he runs good deep balls, and he's big and strong. He's the kind of guy that you want to get the ball in their hands no matter where they are on the field. And the 49ers have a tight end that is phenomenal. That'll be good for a long time. Mm-hmm. They have really good skill position players, and they have an offensive line and a coach that can uh, get the running game going against any defense. That's a great, uh, that's a great recipe for success. Okay. Does Jimmy Garoppolo limit some of the things you can do on offense? Well, clearly he uh, he missed the throw. He missed the throw that your quarterback needs to make, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also made a great throw at the end of the first half that got nullified by a pass interference call. Coincidentally, a few weeks earlier, uh, Rudolph, the the Vikings tight end, yes. had an almost identical, if not more egregious, push off at the end of one of their games, Maya and Rudolph. they uh, and they got away with it mm-hmm. and the 49ers didn't so it's just like it was a toss-up some referees would have called it pi some wouldn't but it, it, i don't know i mean it was enough of a push that i think you need to call it but either way uh, it could have gone both ways so anyway i'm i'm encouraged by that by that super bowl by that season i should say the super bowl is disappointing but i'm very encouraged by that season and i'm looking forward to watching more of my team play well next year awesome um, I'm going to feel horrible for you when it comes out, you know, in, in two to three years from now that the Chiefs had microphones on the 49ers sideline and they were picking up all the plays that they were calling ahead of time. That would really make their blitz packages make a lot of sense because, like, <laughs> uh, if they would have called... Anyway, it's just the Chiefs, I think, were in just the yes, right Yes, that was a shot at the right Houston times. Astros. Yeah, okay. But uh, I don't know. I guess I just... I'm so wrapped up in, in this right now that it's hard for me to think about anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, except for that crappy commute I had getting over here. <laughs> Thanks for coming, though. So I feel like you're handling this a lot better than I handled uh, both Dodgers World Series. So I'm proud of you for that. You have a emotional maturity that I would not have uh, guessed. So I am dead inside. Congrats. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, act- I'm actually okay. Because yeah. with, with, with your team... Right, it was almost expected that they were going to win, right? Mm-hmm. And it was for you saw it coming for years, right? You saw uh, prospects developing, you saw stars come up through it, you saw um, you Darvish and other pieces get put together in midseason, yeah. and you had the hope a long time ago, right? Every step of the way, I was like, I can see us losing, I could see yeah. us losing, I could see us losing. Yeah, the 49ers feel like they're a year or two ahead of schedule. Yeah, and and so the, that they that they went from missing the playoffs to in the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, that's that's like a treat, right? Right, and they're so young. They are so young. Uh, but every year, I mean, the next year after the Super Bowl, you always have some team that disappoints for whatever reason. Um, and often one of the teams, or sometimes both the teams, don't even make the playoffs, right? The Rams this year, 
didn't make the playoffs. You know, well, they the, were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots last year. Patriots lost in the wild card round. Well, the, the Rams got goffed. Yeah. I also think a little bit of the uh, the pixie dust has worn off as Sean McVay. I think people are kind of figuring him out a little bit. Um, I think McVay will be fine. I really think I, I really think Jared Goff limits that offense much more than than McBay does. I hear what you're saying. What do you mean? Yeah. <sighs> Talking about the Rams coach? Yeah, the Rams coach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's his name? M- McVay. That's what I've been saying. McBay. Yeah. Yeah. He does know how to keep a, a trim beard, though, man. I wonder if he has a stencil. I gotta take notes kind on of, that. A mold, like a mold or. You know, you know whose beard is great? Chris Evans. Right? If I could do Remind the Chris me. Evans beard. Chris Evans. What? Remind me. Oh, Chris. What? Oh, oh, Captain America. What? Got it. He's he an actor. A... I don't I don't learn their real names. <laughs> I don't want to get attached to them. Never meet the real people of your fake heroes. Huh. I want to meet Mark Hamill. He seems pretty great. Who's Mark Hamill? Uh, so, moving on. He's been pretty great. Speaking of Star Wars stuff, you have a lamp that looks just like the the new robot from The Rise of Skywalker, Dio. Oh, yeah, except it doesn't move. Yeah, well, very few lamps so the, do. The, the... <laughs> right! Ugh, whatever, David. Well, I'm just... <laughs> the only difference between the lamp and the robot is my lamp doesn't move. You sound like uh, John Madden. <laughs> I just got a touchdown. You get, you just got a touchdown. You can do my muscle arms. What does he say? What does Kelly and say? You oh, get to okay. make muscle arms. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get, you get a touchdown, you get a mo- There's the wolf. <laughs> what does the wolf have to do with the Chiefs? All right, so my Super Bowl reaction is I had a lovely time watching you during the Super Bowl. I was a mess, man. I was so afraid of Patrick Mahomes. Ugh, I still am. I am. I'm afraid I'm going to be eating like a really great dinner, and as soon as they bring out like the entree, he comes out and steals it and runs away with it. <laughs> like, I'm afraid that I'm going to be like in an And interview. you can't even be that mad because he's like... So awesome. Yeah. Like, I'll be sitting there, like, about ready to go into a movie in the previous finish. He comes in, he's like, oh, you're in my seat. And I have to get up and, like, leave. He's like the guy in the TV show where, okay, so the main character is not as, not the cool kid, in, but he's best friends with the coolest guy. He's best friends with, he's, like, in the marching band or the computer club, and his best friends... Uh, starting quarterback of the high school football right. team. There were buddies before and, the girl spurt and then after that, the girl right. spurt. <laughs> yeah, and... and and so, but you like, you know, the girl who's like head cheerleader or she like stars in the school play or whatever. Like you like the the coolest girl in school and she's friendly to you and whatnot, right? And you think maybe there's something there. And then your best friend, not even knowing you like her, right? Because you'd never admit it because like there's no chance. He comes in and swoops in the girl and you can't even be mad at him because you're like, well, that obvi- that makes sense. Like he should be with her. She should be with him, even though I want her. Yeah, I never experienced that in real life because I was the athlete that ended up with the cutest, most talented girl in school. So I have zero sympathy for the other guy. All I'm saying is that's the Patrick Mahomes. Like, I can't be upset with Pat. You know, I want a 49ers to win, but I can't be upset at Patrick Mahomes because, like, he is a champion. Like, he's awesome. He's great. Andy Reid deserves it. They deserve that Super Bowl win. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes was really good for seven and a half minutes. It would have been much easier to be so upset for Tom Brady to win another Super Bowl, right, against the 49ers. Like, I would I would be upset. I can't even be upset 
that Patrick Mahomes and you Yeah, Patrick Mahomes had his worst game of his career and won the MVP of the Super Bowl. That's, <laughs> that's MVP. That, that tells you how close this game was. So the Chiefs, yeah. the Chiefs got, I don't want to call it a cheap touchdown, but they got a little touchdown at the end of the game. That Yeah, the 40-yard run by... Yeah. Uh, Which just shocked me. That's What's his name? Williams? Exactly, Damian Williams? Exactly. What's his name? Well, okay. And oh, I know ahead. exactly what you're about to say. Yeah. So give me a second. We'll move on to that thing. Yeah, because okay. I want to talk about that, too. Because I agree yeah. 100% with the take that you're about to... Uh, 100% about yeah. the take that you're going to give us right now. But the... Uh, uh, like I said, a ball bounces one way or the other a couple of times. And the game is 100% completely different. Right? Uh, there was one play where Mahomes got away and ended up throwing for a touchdown or throwing for like a, a big gain or something like that. And I honestly thought Nick Bosa was being held in the line. And I think so many of these little things could have gone one way or the other. And the two teams were so close. So anyway, I'm very distracted by the text you just got with the Millennium Falcon in the background. What's going on there? <laughs> My sister's at uh, Disney World. Oh. So, uh, or at least she was. I don't know if she's still there. Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. I think Damian Williams could have been the MVP. I mean, he had two touchdowns, one running, one... Was it two rushing? Well, at least one rushing, one receiving. Um, and he just had a really good game. Six months ago, we didn't know who Damian Williams was. I still don't know who he is. Six months ago, we didn't know who uh, Raheem Mostert was. I did. Okay, well... Part, you, part you, of that you, three-headed monster, man. Six months ago, you knew? Yeah. Eight months ago, did you know? Well, maybe not eight months ago. Okay, okay. But, but, but as, as soon as the as season a, started. As the season yeah. started, it right. was Brita, and it was Coleman, and it, right. was, it was Mostert. Right, but I'm saying, like, before this year. Okay. No, 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 not, but, yeah. During, yeah. Not even during the preseason. During the, when the regular season started, yeah, no. I know. I feel like you're questioning my 49er fandom bona fides. Uh, that's not what I was trying to do. I, I was I trying know, to say that these... But these... I, I feel like the need to defend myself. I know I, did, I probably shouldn't have that need, but I did. <laughs> okay. Carry on. So, Raheem Mostert, for, he had an awesome year. I think he averaged over five yards in the Super Bowl puzzling why he never uh touched the ball like towards the end you think um if you go back like let's see where's his uh where's his career sure i think the only carries he got was oh that's right he had like no stats before because all right so he was uh on what cleveland on miami on baltimore all in his age in 2015 what cleveland miami baltimore in 2016, he was on Chicago, and, and uh, okay, he went to San Francisco in 2016. We didn't really know about him. I mean, he had six rushes in 2017, 34 rushes in 2018, and bumped it up to 137 rushes in 2019. Uh, Damian Williams, a similar story. I think they were both kind of unused backs in Miami. And so... The fact that these two players, that Damian Williams could have legitimately been the MVP, and I don't think many people would have been too upset with that. And if the 49ers would have won, Mostert had a legit chance at being MVP as well. The fact that these two guys who, eight months ago, uh, we couldn't have named them, and we couldn't have picked them out of a lineup, the fact that those two could have been Super Bowl MVPs and both had really good years, especially Mostert, what does that say about the running back position? And my position is, and I don't think this is controversial, a lot of people have it, is that it almost doesn't matter who's back there. As long as they're an elite athlete, they play running, like they've played running back position their whole career, they know what a running back's supposed to do. 
Just that there's a awesome scheme in place and a good blocking, run blocking offensive line. If you have those things, you can have an Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, in my opinion, system running back. Whoa. He won numerous rushing titles, but he always had an awesome offensive line in front of him. He wasn't Barry Sanders. Now Barry Sanders is the golden standard to me of running yeah. backs because he did so much. He wasn't with no help, zero help. He wasn't Walter Payton who would run fools over. Okay, he. Ran through the hole, the monstrous hole that the Dallas Cowboys offensive line created. Okay, can't take anything away. He he did what he was supposed to do, and he did it really well. Compiler. Okay, but you have Derrick Henry, right? You have Saquon Barkley, both high draft picks. I think Saquon was number one, right? Yep. Um, Ezekiel Elliott and Derrick Henry. I think his contract's up after this. Yeah, it's, it's up now. And so Titans have a decision. Oh, do we pay him however much money, right? And and at the expense of signing other really good players. And I think what the San Francisco 49ers and, for, and the Chiefs have shown us, and I think it's been shown many years over a long period of time, is that the actual running back makes very little difference. Especially on high-performance teams. Yes, you have to have a good offensive coach, a good scheme, a good line. Okay, But if you have those things, it makes zero sense to invest in a running back. 49ers had three legitimate running backs. And they got very similar production. Now, they they did some different things. They had different skill sets. But they were all very productive. And so, uh, as we head into free agency and into the draft... You wonder if, based on on this postseason, how much attention will be paid to running backs. Because you had Derrick Henry, who was amazing, and he's getting all the credit for that, right? You're not hearing much said about the offensive line in Tennessee or the offensive scheme. But then you have Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert, who are maybe not getting as much credit, right? I think if Derrick Henry put up the same numbers as Damian Williams in the Super Bowl... And he was, if they switch places, there's a legitimate chance Derrick Henry is the MVP because of the name recognition, right? So, well, and, anyways. And unfortunately, like, what is Patrick Mahomes winning the MVP is a much better story for the NFL. Yeah. Right? So... A running back hasn't won Super Bowl MVP in over 20 years. Yeah. And they get, they get, I think the game's changed enough that it's going to be difficult for anyone besides a quarterback to win the MVP or the Heisman. Yeah. For the next, I don't know, 20, 30 years. You know who actually had a legitimate chance of winning MVP if San Francisco would have won is Nick Bosa. If yeah. he would have recovered that fumble, mm. or any 49er would have recovered that fumble mm. that he knocked out of, of Mahomes' uh, hands uh, that bounced right, <laughs> basically backing to Mahomes' lap, um, I think you're looking at a 49ers win, and I think you're looking at Nick Bosa as MVP. I think that there was a real legitimate chance of that. So when I when I was playing in high school, there was a play in uh in the conference championship game. So the winner of this game goes on to the state playoffs, where mm-hmm. you play the third seed from the north and then the winner of the one and two game or whatever it was, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And so they did a weird double option thing where they optioned to one guy and then they had another option outside of that. Yes. A weird trick play, right? Well, I read that, and I came up on the second pitch guy, and he came up like to block me. So I was like, okay, so I was going to shed him and try to tackle the guy with the ball. That was like, mm. the guy that already received the pitch, right? 
Well, this guy, the the guy with the ball, thought he had another pitch man and went to pitch the ball to him. Ah. As I was coming up, so the ball took a couple of bounces and it's like popped up in the air, uh. like right into my arms as I'm running full speed the other way. Whoa. It was just, it was perfect. It was just like the Nick Bosa fumble right into uh, Patrick Mahomes' hands. It was that kind of thing where the ball just like popped up right into me. Boop. Like got stuck in my navel. I didn't even have to grab it. Yeah. And then I ran it in for a touchdown. It was super cool. So I think I experienced that in high school. What like the opposite of what happened to the to the 49ers, and it just sucks did to you, have that karma come you, back the other way. Did you score? Oh yeah. Oh nice. Yeah, yeah. You may not know this about me because you weren't in high school, but I put up a pretty good defensive senior season of football. Well done. Yeah, I got an interception in the state championship game. Oh my goodness. I scored a I scored a touchdown in the championship game. Very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Put up quite a few tackles. We didn't win that game. I oh. still there's there's a moment in that game I still think about. Like, regret is a weird thing. Like, mm-hmm. I will still remember this play, and I regret it to this day because I had a legitimate opportunity at a second interception. Mm. I was one-on-one against a guy on the right side of the field. He ran a go route, and I was with him. Like, I was closer to him than I am to you right now when we're sitting right next to each other, yeah. right? He turned to look up at the ball. His eyes went up, and I hesitated for just a second to turn to look at the ball. By the time I did, it hits me in, like, the sh- shoulder pads, face mask shoulder area, pops up in the air, and he catches it down the field. Oh, no. So instead of getting that interception and giving our chance, uh, our team a chance to win, uh, they get the ball in a big uh, big play, and they go down the field a little further. So I still think about that play and what could have been, right? Like two interceptions in a state championship game, who knows if I get like junior colleges, because I'm not big enough to be like a big college. I'm no, I'm no yeah. Derrick Henry. But would they have been looking at me like, oh, man, like maybe he, we can develop him if he grows a little bit into some sort of football player. But anyway, what happened happened, and, and I got so- hit instead. <laughs> Oh, I, still, I, I still think about that. It's weird. I'm glad you had a good performance, and and I, you know, wish you would have ended up winning the game. So Me you know too. how we talk about some players, you know, they get to college, or whatever, and they want to be, and they want to convert them into a different position. Yeah. What do you think you would have been converted into? Water boy, punter. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like a slot, a slot receiver, right? Yeah. I, I would have been like a hunt- West Welker type. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Uh, West yeah. Welker or uh, Hunter Renfro. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was saying, I'd be one of those. Yeah, uh, I can see that for sure. Yeah, either that or I would be like practice squad <laughs> safety or something like that, right? Mm. But I would have taken I would have taken the team by storm. I would have been you Rudy. Could, you could have held a clipboard David, with the best David, of them. David, David, carry me off on the field because I get oh, one man. interception late in my career. Oh man, I would love to go to South Bend and watch a football game one of these days, David. You know, I think something that hasn't really come out in all of our podcasting. Is you are a huge Notre Dame fan? Oh yeah, it's huge. true. Yeah, huge. Yeah, they haven't. They haven't been. They've been decent. They've been like a top 20, 15, 10, 15, 20 team, but they always blow it at the end. So. Isn't it weird about college football now? There's like four hundred teams in the top level of NCAA football, right? Yeah, and four matter. Yeah, that's how it feels. At the end of the year, four of these teams matter. I don't feel right. like bowl games matter anymore because the playoff takes away any of the specialness from the bowl games, right? Mm. Like it doesn't matter if your team's in a bowl game. We Which want to be in the playoffs. Which is why we need to move to an eight team. So at least we have what would that? How many games would that be, David? That'd be four games the first round, two games. So at least you have seven important games, right? That's my opinion. No one cares about my opinion, David. I care most of the time. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. So, trans. Oh no, no, not transitioning away. But but different aspect of the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan. So his offense is now attached to two of the worst Super Bowl collapses. I hate to say a ten point lead is a collapse, but let's just say collapse. Um, 
in at least recent Super Bowl history. I don't, I don't know the history of Super Bowl to say if this is an all-timer or not. It is to me. Up 28-3 against the Patriots, right? He's the offensive coordinator. The Falcons don't score again. But also the Patriots score like 40 points or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's, definitely, it's definitely defensive right. issues, right? But not being able to put up any points thats for, for a high-octane offense. That scored 28 in the first half? Of, yeah. They, they get a field goal in that half and they win. That So that's a little difficult, right? And then... Same thing here, right? I mean, they're up. They they do put up ten points, right, to start the second half. They go up twenty to ten, but then they give up what was it, twenty one unanswered points. Here's and here's my thing: Kyle Shanahan called plays to get guys wide open, and balls were either batted at the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. Right. So if if a Chiefs player doesn't make a great play at the line of scrimmage, and if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't, you know, uh, get nervous and throw it 50 yards further than he needed to, sure. we're having a very different conversation about Kyle Shanahan. So it's interesting I, how so, defensive execution and offensive player miscues kind of get thrown out, and we just judge the coach based off the result. Yeah, I don't know. I agree. There's a lot more nuance to it than that. I think part of being the head coach or the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator is knowing knowing extremely well and maybe even better than they know themselves your personnel yeah right and is jimmy garoppolo that guy right now right and 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 maybe he he you know maybe he is but he didn't show that late in the game and they had guys they have personnel to move the ball um there was one sequence where i think they were it was like a second and five and then they after a run that got them five yards late in the game, and then they threw three times, three incomplete passes, one of which I think was the... The batted ball. The, the batted ball. And, um, I mean, you have three downs to get five yards, right? And you've got the possibly the best running game, right? right. Uh, outside and, of maybe Baltimore. And you have running back, and you have wide receivers who can open things up around the outside that yeah. they didn't explore uh, towards the end of that game either. So And, yeah. and so not only are you going against... Um, kind of what got you there, right? You're you're doing it at a point in the game where clock is so important, right? And so you're leaving time up there for the Chiefs to mount their comeback. So, yes, I agree. It can't all be on the head coach. Players have to execute. There were opportunities to execute and to win the game. But as the head coach, as the offensive coordinator, you want to put your players in the best position to win. And I think there's a legitimate argument that Kyle Shanahan, in his two Super Bowl appearances, did not put his teams in the best position to win when it mattered most. Yeah, and I agree with that. I I think they went away from their strengths towards the end of that game, and Mm -hmm. they should have been leaning on those strengths, especially the running game. When your defense is tired, right, the running game is the worst thing because Mm -hmm. it's just like what Marshawn Lynch said. You run over, you run in over a guy over and over and over again. He's not going to want to do that anymore, and he's going to get tired. It's so demoralizing to get run over as a defense, right? And mm-hmm. they went away from that with a young, with those two or three running backs when they're healthy, and they can keep running and running and running with fresh legs. That just wears a defense out. I mean, you should have gone with that. But at the same time, would we have been close to that? As would we have been as successful, or even close to as successful, without Kyle Shanahan as the head coach? 
without him calling no. plays, right? No, definitely and so, not. But, and, and so this is yeah. it's a weird position to be in as, as a mm-hmm. fan because, yes, we could have and we probably should have won that Super Bowl. But at the beginning of the year, did anybody think we had a chance of playing in the Super Bowl, let alone beating yeah. the reigning MVP and one of the best offensive coaches well, of this all is time like... in, Kyle, uh, in Andy Reid? No, no one would believe that. So it's still, yeah. he still had a great season as a coach, and he will win one. He's too young and he's too talented to not win one. But for right now, he gets to be the choker because the old choker, Andy Reid, didn't choke yeah. this time. Yeah, the monkey is now off the back for Andy Reid. Congrats, Andy Reid. You know, I feel uh, Kyle Shanahan maybe the the best comparison in another sport right now is like Mike D'Antoni, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and minus I'm, the age, because minus the age, D'Antoni's I mean, yeah, been doing it for a long time. Definitely minus Shanahan's the age. been doing it for three. Yeah, I mean Mike D'Antoni was like basically Andy Reid, right? Offensive geniuses. Yeah. And their teams always just seem to fall short. Um, but also, like, if you go look at a player comparison, like what you were saying is, you know, we wouldn't even be here if not for that person. Yeah. So it's hard to be too upset with them that they didn't, like, seal the deal. I think of, like, James Harden, right? The Rockets wouldn't have made it to the Western Conference Finals, you know, a number of times. They they, they wouldn't uh, be competitive in a very competitive Western Conference if not for James Harden. But the thing that makes them competitive may also be what prevents them from being a champion, right? Is that they're so dependent on James Harden, right? And and that's not even James Harden's fault necessarily, but when he doesn't make the clutch shots, when he gets cold, the whole team looks horrible. And then yeah. it's easy to say, oh, James Harden, you had a bad game and we lost, right? So I see what you're saying. So it's almost like every once in a while, the team needs to be able to pick up the coach. Yeah. Yeah, and I agree with that. And... uh like I said, one throw deep to Emmanuel Sanders, yeah. and we're having a very, well, very different conversation and, about Kyle Shanahan and Jamie Garoppolo and the 49ers and the Chiefs, too. The Chiefs get to be the chokers, and Reed gets to be the guy that can never win the big one, right? Yeah. And and one third and 15 for the Chiefs. Yes. A magical oh, deep play. ball to Tyreek oh, Hill. Getting hit and throwing... So, so if, oh, if, that if, ball was in the air for four hours. If it, oh, that if, hurts so bad. If they don't get that first down... Right, I mean the momentum. Once they got that, then they the next play they get the pi on Kelsey gets the pi in the end zone, and then what? A play or two later they score, and so uh, that game or that that play was huge. That's really the turning point in the Super Bowl, and it's amazing how much legacy hinges on very small moments. Yeah. Right. Relatively speaking, right. It was a big moment in the game, but it was just one. Moment, and I think that's what draws fans so much to football in America. The sample sizes are so small that it's just it's so much wrapped up into one game, right? In football, yeah. in, in hockey, we do it seven game series, in baseball, seven game series, yeah. in basketball, seven game series, right? Mm-hmm. But you wrap up all of that seven game series into one game, it's intense, and that's the draw of football, and that's never going to go away. Just like Andy Reid's mustache is never going to go away, his <laughs> Hall of Fame bust. They better get his mustache right. <laughs> they should just have him grow a mustache, shave it off, and send it to them. And just have him like put it on the bust. That that or maybe like pour some bronze over it so they get a mold. You know, get a mold of his mustache. He but he just, should never ever shave that mustache though. No. Just trim it. Um Alright. So switch are are you Super Bowl talked out? Yeah, I'm all fine. Okay. And, and by we'll the way, we'll revisit it, I, I'm sure. And I'm point. fine, right? Like, yeah. it's a bummer. But at the end of the day and at the end of the season, my team was really, really good. And my team has a chance to get back next year and the year after that. And the year after that, because of the way the team is structured and the personnel and coaching we have, I'm fine. Guys, I'm fine. <laughs> I really am. I am right. fine. Well, 
Since yeah. since you're so obviously fine, Daniel. One too many fines? Yeah. Um, let's change gears a little bit. Uh, to something we don't talk nearly enough. Sorry, we talk the a- uh, adequate amount about it. But every once in a while, something so beautiful happens in the sport that it, it bears mentioning on our esteemed podcast. And that I'm talking, of course, about the sport of hockey. Yep. Uh, there was an incident. Let's call it a fight. I mean, fight sounds so vulgar for what beauty this was. But uh, there was a fight between the uh, the Oilers and the... Uh, the Montreal uh, Canadiens, right? No, it was Calgary. What's their... The Flames. Uh, the Flames, yeah. And uh, anyways, I, I'm done talking. Please just, just listen to the call. Listen to the emotion. Redirected behind Talbot, poked in by Gagne, but it's going to be waved off. And now Talbot lands a couple of shots on Gagne. Yeah, there's and history. Quickly, there's history between Gagne Giordano and Gagne. Goes after Mark Giordano. Oh, geez, all fighting. Hit him twice, and now he's being held from behind. Oh. And now we've got a wild oh. scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. Mangiapane and Jason. Giordano has Gagne wrapped up. And Matthew Kachuk and Ethan Bear are going to drop the gloves. my god that guy should be calling actual boxing matches he, my, he, he did hear the part where he's running out of breath he's like we need a crossover with him and some oh mexican soccer league announcers because oh. that i mean they would just take it to 11 every call i think the thrill of the goalie fight is the best and the video of this <laughs> the is goalie fight <laughs> Then, We've got a goalie fight! Well, I think my favorite part of that whole video is the goalie for the Oilers goes out to center ice and like just, leans on his hockey stick like a sword. Like he's right. leaning on it like like you imagine like a giant claymore sword. He's like leaning on it almost like the, the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy uh-huh, Grail. Uh-huh. He's doing that thing. And then the other goalie comes out and they start fighting and they just start wailing Yeah, I mean, other. how often do you get goalie fights? Because they don't interact at all during the game. Yeah. Uh, it was it was so beautiful. And they can't move in these big suits. And so it's like, it's not like you're knocking someone down with a punch. It's like whoever loses their balance first, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, they, those... they may have made some contact, but... No, there were, no, there were some legitimate, like, hits being thrown. Remember, like, baseball fights are like, guys get together and they don't throw punches? Yeah, right. Remember when Rognet Odor actually, like, right. popped uh, Joey Bats in the face? Uh-huh. And then Joey Bats, like took it and like was coming back for more i was like wow right. that was a legitimate baseball fight right yeah this was the best like full team hockey fight I've oh seen yeah in a long i mean time. yeah and there were there were it's hard to tell from the audio but there were three four different piles of fights happening yeah. all at the same time yeah. and then it Every came down to involved. the goalies yes. and it was it was awesome i i don't i don't know what happened after that i don't know what the aftermath was i'm not sure how many people ended up in the penalty box uh but it was Fantastic, and we say it's fantastic because it's hockey. Any other sport would be appalled. We'd be terrified. And people would be suspended for like half the season. Something much more mundane than this happened during a college basketball game this year, and everyone's talking about suspending guys for life. Yeah, like what a shame uh, it is. On yes, the, uh, a blight on the sport. Yes, and yeah. all this stuff. Right, they should be ashamed of themselves. They should lose their scholarships. All this stuff. It happens in hockey, and we're like more. <laughs> it's all about setting, man. It really is. Like if yeah. I do that in my classroom with a student, 
I don't think I could ever get a job again. These uh, guys do it. Definitely not. Yeah. These, well, if there's video. These guys do Jeez. it. These guys do it, and we praise them on our podcast, right? Yeah. But really what I'm praising is the call. Yeah, right? the call the, was it was delightful. That play-by-play. I mean, you would have thought, and maybe he did, you would have thought he came up like as a boxing play-by-play man, right? I mean, <laughs> left hook and a right jab. <laughs> this is the Battle of Alberta <laughs> we've been waiting for for 30 years. I, I want to know the history of that. Like, right? what, what, I, what does that mean? I was just going to do a down goes Frasier <laughs> yeah. or something like that. That's exactly how it sounded. Down goes Lemieux. <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't even in this game, but that was still, that was still really funny. That's the one hockey player I know. The one. I like Patrick Roy. How do you spell Patrick Roy, Anthony? R O Y. Yeah, Mr. Roy. That's that's Roy. That's Roy. The French are so come on, French. Figure it out. Yeah, every hey. ever every other language, for the most part, follows the letters that are written on the page. You know what? French ruined English spelling. The French. Ruined it. So there were French royals in the court of London for a while, right? The Normans, the, the, the Norman, you know what I'm talking about? The Norman court, right? Of course. And they started introducing French as the language of the court and of the law, right? Ugh. So all of that, that being infused into, into the English language started altering a lot of our spelling, right? Huge bummer. Stinking French. Sorry, it's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. We were very, English was more Germanic and Latin based before that. I'm going to go eat some freedom fries. All right, so I guess David, to wrap up the um, the podcast, there were some transactions in in professional sports over the last couple of days. The NBA deadline came and and went earlier today. Um, you know, Andre Iguodala ends up with the Miami Heat. Uh, lots of different players involved. It ended up being a big transaction. We're not going to go through all the details. Andre Iguodala is the big piece there that's going to a team that's actually doing well. They lose Justice Winslow, who's a promising young player. Um, so I guess Pat Riley's thinking now is the time, while you've got Jimmy Butler still in his prime for at least another year or two. Right, and Pat Riley's also like 75 years <laughs> that's old. That's right. So... Pat, Pat Riley's prime is, uh, is about to come to an end, too, at least as a basketball uh, front office person. Um, so that was that was one of the bigger ones. Marcus Morris goes from the Knicks to the Clippers and makes their already formidable team even that much more so. Uh, Lakers stood pat. Uh, I think they're hoping to to and and really they couldn't do much because they just don't have the salaries for the trades. Yeah. Uh, if you're gonna trade someone of, to get someone of of note, you're gonna have to trade like Danny Green, and they just don't want to do that, right? Um, and I think they're hoping to find someone on the buyout market or maybe Darren Collison decides to come back to the NBA and signs with them. So we'll see what they do. Um, but, yeah, other than that, you know, kind of minor stuff. Andre Drummond goes from the Pistons to the to Cleveland, and he had a, a nice quote saying, basically, there's nothing, like, loyal in the game, like loyalty. Yeah, yeah. friendship and loyalty I mean, does not exist does not in the exist, NBA. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I think every player who has spent a significant amount of time with a team and then gets blindsided by a trade probably feels – um, and it's unlike any other profession, right? Like I don't all of a sudden, just, even if I do have to move to like, like if I get transferred somewhere, right? Like there's going to be a transition period. I'll, I'll know. They'll say, Hey, we're thinking of doing this, right? Like they're, they're involving they're, me in the process, right? right? There, there are guys that get pulled out of layup lines before <laughs> right. games. Someone was traded during a game and I forgot who That's it was right. oh, last yeah, year. Last someone, year. yeah, someone was traded during the game and they were showing like pictures of him. Everyone knew, but him, right? Yeah, yeah. People are on their phones on Twitter and stuff. And I think they started yelling in the crowd, Hey, you've been traded and stuff. That's how we found yeah. out. 
Yeah, typically if 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 a team's seriously considering trading or like on the precipice of trading someone, they'll they'll they won't play them in the game. And worst I, case scenario, your trade piece gets injured. Yeah, that's right. Um, but you'd think they'd pull them as soon as it was announced, but whatever. So that was basketball. Uh, we'll see how these trades and and you know buyouts and and whatnot affect the teams. We got All Star uh, games coming up. The Lebr- team LeBron and Giannis uh, have been picked. Let's see. We've got. On Team LeBron, his first pick was Anthony Davis. Then team, Gia- then team Giannis picked. Uh, Giannis picked Joel Embiid. He's going with the bigs. LeBron had the third pick, picked Kawhi. Oh, what could have been? LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. Oh, well. Uh, pick number four for Giannis. Interesting. Probably not who I would have went with. Pascal Siakam. Uh, five, uh, LeBron, LeBron's third pick, pick number five overall, Luka Doncic. I mean, that's a formidable team right there. You got Luka, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, and LeBron. That's a good team. Uh, and that's only four. Kemba Walker next for Team Giannis. What, what are you doing, Giannis? Uh, Team LeBron next pick, James Harden. Think, think of this starting five. You get Luka with the Rock. James Harden as your our other guard. You got Kawhi as your... Let's put Kawhi as your three, LeBron as your four, Davis as your five. James Harden wouldn't know what to do without the ball. <laughs> he, would, he would just be standing there like, whoa, huh? Huh, what? Throw it to my beard. Throw it to my beard. See if my beard can do something. I don't, I don't catch. Yeah, if I were actually constructing a team, I probably would... I'm, I'm probably okay with most of Team LeBron. I would maybe substitute James Harden for Chris Middleton. And I do that because his defense is outstanding, and he's a great catch-and-shoot guy. Yep, and then, yeah. Catch and shoot guys are great on LeBron teams. Yeah, um, and then uh, and then Trey Young for Team Giannis. So so his starting. I mean, okay, Team LeBron, starting five: LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, Luca, James Harden. Awesome five. Team Giannis. Now, what, I think what, you get voted a starter, right? So the starters are voted on by the fans and stuff like that, right? Still. And then you have yeah. to pick. Then you have to pick between the starters, and then you pick reserves after that. Is how they did it, right? I think so. So, but yeah, but I still, don't know why. You still you yeah. had you had James Harden on the board, and you went Campbell Walker. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I mean, maybe there's some East Coast bias there. Maybe, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at it, all the starters for the Western team is in for LeBron's teams in the West, and all the starters for Giannis team are in the East. Did they do that on purpose? You think? Maybe. And if that's the case, okay, I have to cut Giannis some slack. But if I'm if I'm being objective about who they pick, Giannis picks Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, and Trey Young. Trey Young and Kemba Walker, you got a small backcourt, and then uh, I mean, sure, every player is good. Obviously, they're starters in the All Star game, but I think that's a lopsided starting five versus five. You, you do know this is the All Star game, right? I know it doesn't matter. What's with Spider Mitchell going second to last? Donovan Mitchell's good, man, and he's leading one of the best teams in the West that no one cares about, no one talks about. Why? Utah. Mm. Yeah, Utah has two All-Stars. number of teams have two All-Stars. I'm surprised Paul George didn't make it. Maybe he just missed too much time. Chris Paul somehow made it. Oh, my God. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know. Anyways, that's enough basketball talk. Um, Baseball pitchers and catchers report to spring training next week, David. Crazy. Next week. It's almost baseball season. And um, a pretty interesting trade is almost done. It was announced yesterday, but appears to have hit a snag today. Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers. Uh, How do you feel about that? I feel awesome about Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers. So the the trade is a three-team trade, proposed as a three-team trade. There may be other 
wrinkles that need to be uh, thrown in to deal with uh, some physicals that I guess the Red Sox are unhappy with. But but the, the proposed trade would be David Price and Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers. The Dodgers would be giving up Kenta Maeda, the uh, right-handed starting pitcher. He would be going to min- the Minnesota Twins, and they would be sending Alex Verdugo, uh, a really good young outfielder who projects to be um, a, a starting outfielder you know, for the next 10 years, uh, to, to the Red Sox. And then the Minnesota Twins, in exchange for getting Kenta Maeda, would be shipping out some guy named Gatorade to, uh, no, his name's like Greater All. Oh, I was like, what? Yeah, he's a, a young pitcher uh, to to the Red Sox. And, and it's with him that there have been some issues with the physical, and I guess the Red Sox were under the impression that he was projected to be a starting pitcher, and now it turns out maybe he's projected to be a relief pitcher, which if you're the GM and you thought he was projected to be a starting pitcher... That's on you. Like, you can't... I, I mean, you can. Until the trade's finalized, you can always back out. But it's like, do your job for... Like, right? <laughs> it's been announced, man. Like, and so I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe the Dodgers or the, or the Twins, you know, give up another prospect. I mean, if, if the Twins can't do anything about it, then they may just be cut out of the deal entirely and the Dodgers come up with something else to give the Red Sox. But... Uh, either way, it's a win for the Dodgers because they didn't touch their farm system, at least not yet. And and even if they do, I think you know maybe they give someone you know middle of the pack. The top top ten prospects are all intact, which you know was always the thought that if you're going to go after someone like Mookie in a trade, you're probably going to have to give something big up. And it just didn't have to happen. That you it, know, I guess no one else was offering much. It makes me wonder if Mookie Betts was like, look. I want to get out of here. Oh, because def- who knows what's going to well, happen with these with the investigation going on? Oh, and Mookie is like the biggest star on that team, yeah. right? And so that he's probably like, I want to get away from this. And maybe he had a lot of clout, or he had a lot of leverage with the Red Sox, saying like, Hey, I I've done this organization right. Please send me somewhere where I want to go, or something like that. So who knows if that's the case? And maybe the Red Sox are just dumping everything and starting over new. Yeah, I I think it may be the latter, and possibly some of the former, but I don't definitely, at least from what's been reported by Jeff Passan and Buster Olney, is that the Red Sox want dearly to get under the tax threshold. I think they've been over it for two years, and each year you're over it, it's it's a harsher penalty. And so, um, I t- yeah, I think the main goal was trying to shed salary, and David Price has a big contract, and so attaching him to Mookie Betts is one way to get him out of there. Now, the Red Sox are still paying for half of David Price's contract, so that's another win for the Dodgers. Uh, and if, if Price can pitch anything like he did in the you know 2018 postseason, that's great. And really, I mean, the Dodgers at this point, they're concerned about October. They had a 106-win team last year, okay? Yeah. And they're adding Mookie Betts. Yeah. Now, they're they're losing Verdugo. They're losing Maeda. They're losing Jock and Ross Stripling in a separate deal to the Angels. Um, but... None of those really matter if you're getting Mookie Betts and, and you know, David Price to a much lesser extent. So, um, yeah, I think the, the big question mark with the Dodgers, assuming this trade does go through, is is relief pitching. Right? I think they've got enough starters to to eat up a lot of innings during the regular season. Um, the issue is going to be can you hold it, you know, late, late games when it's close, as has been the case for the last, you know, two three years and it's really everyone in baseball's issue is yeah. holding the lead right? for sure except maybe the yankees yankees have a really good relief pitching uh and the astros because they you know 
What they about, can overcome almost anything. Can they? It's amazing what you can do with just a little hey, bit of hey, help. Do you think in their dugout they were saying, yes, we can? Because of the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> trash can. Cheaters. And stop.